We wish to acknowledge the traditional caretakers of the land we record this podcast on, the Yuggera people and their continued connection to the land and waterways of Yuggera country. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging and to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Sport Social Podcast. It's a kind of an interesting one this week, Georgie. Different word deviating from our normal format because producer Jace has gone off and got married. He's got things to do. He's busy. He put in his <laughs> annual leave. Yes. And we said yes. You may go away. We said yes. Well, technically today he would normally just be going to get his hair cut in preparation for his wedding because that's the thing that he has to do. <laughs> we'll allow it. He's allowed to go on holidays. Congratulations to Jason Sarah. We're really excited for you guys. You know, when this episode <laughs> airs... I've already been married. <laughs> oh, shit. I'm on my honeymoon. <laughs> oh, well, Jace is on his honeymoon. Bloody hell. <laughs> Just Who gave that guy a microphone? Checking in my honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> I really regret giving you a microphone. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're kind of taking an opportunity. Normally we talk about the joy, humanity and heartbreak in sport um, in the past week, but today we're going to do a deep dive because uh, it's something a little bit close to my heart, but it's around – athletes and comebacks because that really has kind of been pretty prominent in the media over the last definitely couple of years possibly decade uh like what is it about athletes that retire and then come back for whatever reason so we've got two really exciting guests to talk about their experiences and um I'm really excited should be good it's just a nice way to think about sport it's a different perspective and there's people who are coming into it coming out of it why do you leave something and then decide that you're going to come back and for you it was staring at a black line and I don't understand that I missed it (laughs) black but why what where's what's that pull Mm. that brings them back into their sport that they love so much yeah really excited about the guests that we have um so let's get to it All right, thank you so much for joining us. We have Lauren Jackson, who is the absolute greatest of all time Australian basketball player. And we wanted to talk to you, Lauren, about your comeback. I mean, what an absolute... uh, I started to... Obviously, everybody started to watch you start to kind of dabble into, I don't know if dabbling is the right word, but, you know, getting, getting back into basketball and then all of a sudden... You've been selected for the Opals and, you know, it was such a triumphant campaign with the Opals Mm. this year. Can you kind of explain to us how it started? Yeah. Uh, Look, it was about a year ago, you know, and I was having just a meeting with some colleagues and and, um, I sort of mentioned that I wanted to get fit again and start training just because, you know, I'd had my kids, they were old enough to go back to school and I just through the day it was hard because of work and everything and um, one of my well my boss said to me look you know you've done it so much for the sport Um, the least we can do is uh, give you the time you know when your kids are at school to go to the gym if that's what you want to do so I said okay righto I'll take it so I just started training um, you know day by day and I was really consistent with it I just started really slowly like just trying to get strong and and then I just started shooting with my best friend and um another guy here that coaches the Aubrey team. Um, so I started just shooting threes like for 10 minutes a day and and then um, it sort of progressed into sort of 40-minute sessions on court and 
all of a sudden he was sort of like, well, you know, in three months, would you think about signing a contract to play with Aubrey? And I was like, well, that's a bit far down the track. And <laughs> and then, yeah, so I ended up signing in, in February. But um, I, I didn't, I don't think at that point I thought that there'd be any chance that I'd still get out on the court. So I just kept training and, you know, just day by day, like it was never, I never had any sort of big goal set out. It was more, and if I did look too far ahead, I sort of had, I would have a breakdown. Like I had moments mm. where I couldn't look too far ahead because I really just went into this like trauma response from like when my reti- my retirement happened and how my career ended. So I had quite a lot of that stuff to deal with, like the emotional stuff. But when I, when I realized that I really just needed to, whatever I was doing, wherever I was going, it was just a day-by-day process, you know, and it could end tomorrow, it could end six months down the track. It was just sort of, that's how it happened. And then in June... I'd been playing for a month and yeah, I got, I got the call up to see if I, you know, was interested in, in joining the Opal squad. And if I was, the parameters and the fitness testing that I had to complete and, and show that I could do them and potentially get into the next camp. So I, I went through that process in June again, thinking, well, do I really want to do this day by day? Sorry, just to interrupt, given that you're retirement at 34 had been so traumatic when you were looking at those fitness tests and those um, parameters that you had to meet was was that a really daunting task for you was was that a little bit traumatic given everything Um, you'd gone through or did you feel like you'd had you'd actually had the time to do the preparation you needed well I was sort of about seven months deep then um I I ruptured my plantar fascia in my foot in April and I sort of trained quite like I'd lost about 20 kilos by April and I was ready to start playing and and training with my team and then I ruptured the fascia on the bottom of my foot so I was out for like three weeks after that and that's when I thought it was all over but I I came back it was pretty painful for a period of time but my doctor sort of said to me you'll be fine you just need three weeks and then you'll you know it'll be fine and then I got COVID and then I rolled my ankle so that's all and so I, I didn't have the best sort of preparation heading into those that fitness testing and those parameters and the hoops that I thought I had to jump through but when I got them and I I was looking at them and I said to my trainer at the time I was like I actually think I probably could do some of this like right now today you know I think I could because I had been training so hard up until that point and my strength was at that point I was very very strong and so I sort of said to myself then right like do you really want to do this? And I was like, yeah, not really, but like I'll give it a crack anyway because I'm a competitive beast and that's what I do. I'll give it a crack. I can always pull out, you know, my knee, everything else. Like I've got reasons to sort of walk away if I want to. So I got through that and then they invited me to a camp in June. So again, I went through that whole thing in my head again. Do you really want to do this? Do you want to, do you want to put yourself in a situation where you could fall on your face? And I was like, nah, mate, I'll just do it. I'll see where I go. I can pull out if I want to. So, and then also too, and it's probably not going to go any further than that either. So I never mm. thought I was going to get selected. And then I got through that. They selected me to go on this trip to New York, which I haven't been overseas since my, my Jersey retirement in 2016. So wow. I, again, like another massive step, leaving my kids for a period of time. At the same time as well, just thinking, oh, there's no way I'll get through 10 days of training because I had to sort of prove that I could train for 10 days without breaking down or because of the World Cup and everything. So 
like I felt like for a couple of months there, I was just being tested. And uh, it was a, because I was never like that, you know, back in the day, I was always, I just knew I was going to make teams, you know, <laughs> I didn't have that problem. Whereas yeah. this time around, it was like, you've got to prove yourself every step of the way. And I honestly just took it day by day. And I was pretty open um, with my teammates just about how I was feeling. And they sort of knew it was an emotional roller coaster for me and everything like that. So it was an interesting time, <laughs> for sure. I, I find it interesting to hear you kind of have that mentality. Well, you've had to, right? Because you're, you're 41 now. You, you had to have that mentality that at any moment this could end, you know, because yeah. obviously 41 years old, it's a very um, taxing sport anyway, you know, physically demanding, incredibly, you know, impact driven and, you know, uh, just, I, I mean, I can't even imagine being coming from swimming, the impact on your body. Like, did you, was, do you think that was the way that you were able to make it through was literally taking it day by day, session by session, moment by moment? Yeah, definitely. Because, you know, when when something happened, like even if I woke up and my knee was sore, my hip was hurting, or I would immediately jump to worst possible case scenario. Like, <laughs> oh, my knee needs surgery. Oh, my hip's broken. I need to, you know what I mean? Mm. So like, it was, it has been, when I, when I say it's been head game, it's probably been like the most confronting time of my life because and then, you know, when that happens, my, my head immediately goes to, oh, the media, they're going to talk about me yes. um, being injured again. Because all they talked about for two or three years before I retired was how I could not get back on the court. Yeah. So, like, all of that happened. When I was training at the AIS the first time at the AIS gym, I had a complete meltdown. I had to do some testing there and I had a complete freak out. I was crying in the gym when I was doing leg press because that's where my career ended. Like that's oh, that was rehabbing. And I didn't stop crying for about 24 hours. And my poor boss and like other people from work who had to talk to me on the way home about work, <laughs> I couldn't, I was so inconsolable. You know, it's been like a massive journey. Um, the physical stuff, yeah, it's hard. Like we all know what it's like to train and to have to get fit. Like we, we know. Like I knew that going in it was mm. going to be hard. But it was the other stuff that I just didn't think. And I didn't realize I hadn't processed it all either. Yeah. Like I sort of moved directly into my new life with my kids and work and, and it was great. So it wasn't until I had to face everything like head on. I was like, oh, my God, this is actually, you know, I never really processed any of it. But, you know, you do and it. Every day, like like I said, every single day was just a new day. It could have ended at any moment. Um, and and early on, I figured out that that was going to have to be my mentality. Otherwise, it just would never have happened. Considering it was such a head game as you described it, and you know, there's obviously so much that you are processing and you know continue to processing from your your first career. But also with that balance of almost having just this attitude of gratitude every single day that you had, like, I don't know, it's like a lot of people would look at it and go, like, why? Why (laughs) put yourself through this? Yeah, why put yourself through it? Why, Why take that on, you know, taking on the media scrutiny, you know, your own scrutiny because you're like, why, like, (laughs) this is so hard, why am I doing this? Um, Well, look, it was. Because initially I only set out to, um, well, 
really just to try and get fit, right, and to try and lose weight because I'd sort of, like, I'd gotten, I was happy, I was healthy, I just had put on a lot of weight from the kids, hadn't really gotten to the gym because I just, after I retired, the last thing I wanted to do was go to a gym, mm. you know, or do anything active. To be honest, yes. <laughs> I was just tired of it, I was done. Totally. Yeah. So, um, it's, you know, after five five years, I kind of put myself right. It's, I've got the rest of it sort of sorted out. <laughs> mm. Like, now I'm sort of really, like, try and be, like, happy in my skin. So, I thought I'd, you know, try and see how I could go, like, losing weight and stuff. And um, and then it, it became NBL1, you know, and, and trying to get back out on court and play for Albury, which... It'd be great to have, like, at that point, I was like, oh, my God, I've always wanted to play for Aubrey. You know, I'd be able to oh, get back to Oh, that's beautiful. A bit. I know. Like, even I used to think about it when I was playing overseas because it just, there was something so appealing about just being home, being able to go straight to my bed and my family and everyone there. So it was, you know, to be able to play in front of my kids and play at Aubrey and, I guess, get the support for the women's team here, I, I thought, yep, nah, I'm going to give it a crack. And then, it, like I said, it got to the point when I was sort of talking about the national team and, again, I, I was really hesitant. Like, the conversations I had were, you know, I probably won't go any further than this. I, you know, I probably won't get through the testing or the camps and stuff. But as with anything, like, in that situation, you just for me, I've just sort of gone along with it, as uncomfortable as it is or whatever. Mm. I just go and one foot in front of the other and see where it takes me and... That was like, it's been like the most amazing journey of my life. Like seriously, just because I've learned so much about myself and what I am capable of doing. But yeah, it's been crazy for sure. Lauren, I've heard it described that your re-entry into the Opals was like a an act of service and a way of helping the Opals rebuild. But it almost sounds to me like it was a really cathartic process for you. Yeah, it, it was. They had already started, like, obviously, everyone knows there was, you know, a lot happened at Tokyo and everything. I think they'd started working a lot on their culture and everything well before I was even, you know, thought about. So uh, when I walked into the team, they were a very connected and united group. And I think anyone that goes through the stuff that they went through, they, they do, you know, form these bonds, you know. And a lot of them are very much, you know, a totally different generation from me. So walking into that team was frightening. Like I was afraid that the girls wouldn't accept me. Mm. Um, thinking about, you know, what it would have been like for me, you know, when I was their age, if someone had to come back into the team after being retired for eight years or someone with my sort of, you know, legacy in the sport and how it looked and the perception and all of that stuff. So I sort of had gone through all these really, and like I said, my brain automatically goes to the worst possible case yeah. all the time. That just happens. Yep. So in my head, it was a it was going to be a lot worse than what it was. And they, right from day one, embraced me. Um, I think you know from my first training session, they were like, ah, that's why she's here. You know, like they sort of they they really just sort of went right. Okay, she's here. We're going to work together. We're going to try and do something special. And and also, too, my headspace was I'm just I just want to be there to help, like whatever I can do to help mm. these girls get back on the podium. Um, but it was a scary time, like I said, you know, it, it was I was vying for a position on the team, stepping into a whole new group of girls that I, I really didn't even know. So it it was um, it was an interesting time for sure. So is that it 
for Lauren Jackson and and playing basketball? Are you are you officially re-retired? No. Well, I've actually signed to play in the WNBL this season with a Melbourne team. So, so good. Oh, that's <laughs> magic. I know. Um, so I'm actually um, this week just getting everything organised to head down to Melbourne and then the kids will be with me sort of, well, my youngest will be with me most of the time and my eldest has just got to get through his school semester and then he'll be with me as well. So, yeah, it's, you know, I, I feel like I've put all this work in. I got to this point. I may as well just sort of see where it goes before I call it a day again, you know. It's the best accidental comeback story yes. I've heard in a long time. It's yeah. magic. It, as Lauren, we are just so grateful for your generosity in sharing your experience. And I think oh. Oh, it's so – I mean, I got goosebumps talking to you because it's just so magic to see what that perspective and that acknowledgement that it could go astray at any moment, but I'm just going to keep working and see what happens and – you know, now you're, you're playing in the WNBL and we all get the privilege of continuing to watch you play basketball. So well done and thank you again for, for your time. Thank you very much. No worries. I mean, I, I mean, there's so much there. Like the, the idea that you can come back at the age of over 40 is just mind-blowing to me. And the, the possibility that at any chance it was all going to blow up with an injury. Yeah, that she put a lot on the line to do that. Well, there's so much reputation. Like mm. that's what uh, a lot of people kind of maybe don't quite get is that like she has a reputation of being the greatest of all time. So like that could go spectacularly badly. Yeah, I really I hadn't really thought about it like that because she is so fabulous on the court. Mm. It's hard to imagine her being anything less. Mm. But there's always the chance that it doesn't work out. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like for me, you know, I'm heading into my 40s and, you know, have kids and as women, I kind of feel like sometimes we think that like our life is done (laughs) once we have kids in in like as a society. As we knew it. As we we knew it, but like, Mm. you know, it kind of like, oh, we kind of get older and then we get less relevant and less interesting and we have the ability to go after our dreams less and for me that's just so inspiring like she's in her 40s she's had her kids she's just gone after it and I love that it was almost unintentional it was just a bit of oh I'll play for Aubrey because I've always wanted to play with Aubrey I mean that's just beautiful in itself the best and then I'm and I'm working in basketball and basketball said sure you can have some time off and go to the gym get she thought I'll just you know, sure, I'll do that. And then one thing led to another and all of a sudden you're playing for the Opals. The other thing that I love about that story is that obviously basketball have created a beautiful culture now mm. that they do embrace her coming back because yeah. that could be incredibly threatening to have no, f- someone of Lauren's stature come back into the team, especially as a young player. Like that's the fact that they welcomed her and allowed her to shine and she allowed them to shine in their ways. Oh, so cool. There's a, there's a lot to look forward to for the Opals if that's where they're at. And that, I, again, I hadn't thought about the fact that people might be like, oh, what are you doing here? Like, yes, why are you back feeling here? threatened. But instead, they were like, oh, great. Yeah. Well, it's that kind of scarcity mindset that is drilled into particularly women because there's only so many spots that we can have available. Mm. But instead, they're like, yeah, awesome. 
bring us your knowledge, bring us your talent, bring us everything that you encompass. And she was like, let's do it together. We're now going to look at a completely different comeback story, a different setting, a different career. We Completely different trajectory. We're lucky enough to be able to speak to Cody Simpson. Ah! He's literally <laughs> bouncing on the couch with excitement. Ah, a fangirl moment. <laughs> Isn't that stupid? Is this are you Grow ex- up, Libby. Are you excited because you've watched his swimming career or because you knew him as a pop star who has then become a swimmer? Uh, I can't say that I – because he's a lot younger than me. So I can't say that, like, I particularly knew him as a pop star. I knew of him through swimming circles because his parents were swimmers. Mm. And I actually met him in 2010 at the Pan Pacific Championships where I was – actually doing commentary at that particular meet and I met his his parents and Cody um and he was kind of just at the start of his pop star career they'd just moved over to the states at that moment and so yeah it I I think for me the thing that I'm most excited about with Cody and watching his journey is I just love seeing someone back themselves yeah Cody, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today. It's such a no a privilege to have you on. I I kind of want to know. I guess I the place to start would be why. <laughs> <laughs> why well, was always a big big question I got from a lot of people. <laughs> yes, I can imagine from family. I guess initially, mum and dad both being swimmers. Like, why do you want to? You know take a pause on all your you know the excitement of your life that you have built for yourself to to go and hurt yourself every day Mm. stare at a stare at the bottom of a pool for hours on end but the why was was sort of the the most important driving factor for me to come back was just because I couldn't shake the idea that I was meant to do it like I just I couldn't get rid of this nagging itch that that was kept kept kind of drawing my me to, to to the idea of swimming again sort of on and off since I stopped as a as a 13 year old for yeah. so for those 10 years a better part of 10 years I just you know it always sort of come up in my in my brain and and and, and was this incessant kind of nagging uh, <laughs> I suppose um or I just felt sort of drawn to it and magnetized to it and you know, knew that I'd never be able to satisfy that feeling unless I had a go and, and really explored what that was for me. Cody, um, ben Harper has described you as one of the guitarists of a generation. And <laughs> which I, that's, I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. You could really <laughs> just cool. not do anything for the rest of your yeah, life. Yeah, hang your hat on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But does that, say, yeah. when you have that support, does that then give you the conf- in in your music? Does that then give you the confidence to go? I'm going to put this music down for a minute, minute or or not give it my my all my attention and go and try something that I I have really loved and I never got to do as much as I wanted to. For sure, I the idea was that I knew I knew that 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 music would always be there for me. Um, I always knew that, uh, and I'm aware that it's something I can do. For the rest of my life, swimming is obviously not one of those things mm. um, that that you can do for 
a long time. It's, it's you know, there's a limited window to, to what your body can do, right? And and, and the age age thing and, and all that. So I, I knew that that it would be it was a fleeting kind of opportunity, knowing that you know it was sort of a now or never thing. You know, I was already I was already 23 when I when I mm. came back to training, and that's an age that. I suppose not not as, as as often now, but you know, it was an age that a lot of people reti- used to retire at, and so <laughs> I was one I of just, those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So funny. Um, <laughs> so I knew that I had to do it sooner or later, and and I just I I know and have the confidence in myself that that I could come back and 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 work really hard to make my way in in music again, and you know, felt like I'd sort of developed skills that I could sort of carry with me onwards after I stop suing and, and I'm able to go back to it but that the time was running out for me to sort of be able to get rid of those what ifs I had about being in the pool because I just it's one of the you know it was my first passion it was my first it's the first thing I ever remember being being good at and you know still to this day like nothing really makes me feel the way swimming makes me feel and and the way that racing does, makes me feel and 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 the, the challenge and daily kind of challenges of training i absolutely love love those Libby's those challenges of training <laughs> <and this. laughs> because she is that is that is how libby experiences mm. swimming and everything you're saying yeah. right now her face is just lighting up <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure yeah i can imagine it libby you, you know i watched i grew up watching you swim and and you know i'm sure you can sort of relate to those feelings of just loving uh, challenging yourself every day and and, and, you know, mentally and physically and, you know, it's almost like a spiritual thing even just, you know, having to sort of try to do things that you don't know if you can do and then you do them and then you just feel amazing after. And I just love that, that, that purity of that pursuit that I, I couldn't get or can't get in music because it's not totally up to just, you know, you and a clock or any of that there's there's a lot more involved so i like the i like the simplicity of swimming for those reasons it's uh yeah as georgie said literally everything that you said i like I, i'm welling up at the the idea of it because swimming <laughs> was my first love it, it and it, and the way that you describe it as being almost spiritual like i always talk about like you know when i go for a swim now it's like it's like going home like it feels like mm. as though that is where i'm meant to be and and you know I don't get to experience it at that elite level anymore but the idea that you know it's so simple it's just you and the water and the clock yeah like that yeah exactly but you did you know you 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 got to experience it at the the heights of what anyone ever does and and you you know you carry those experiences with you forever and you know I'm sure they inform like you know decisions and and things you do now and the way you approach it and I already feel like I'm learning more now that I know I'll be able to take with me uh, back to to whatever else I do after swimming back to music and entertainment and performing and all that like I'll sort of take lessons I'm I'm learning and have learned even in the last couple years having been swimming again back to and, and onwards to whatever else I do after so I just think it's a really awesome experience I think even if I you know I even if I never make a, another team or I don't, I don't, you know, whatever, I, I just feel like even the last couple of years I've, I've been able to do something that I'll be able to take with me forever. So, Can you believe the trajectory of your career? Because, you know, you <coughs> kind of started, you know, a couple of years ago and yeah. all of a sudden 
not all of a sudden because you've you've done a, a buttload of work and you know you, like like you said you you punish yourself every single day in the pursuit of a particular goal like mm. do, can you believe how far you've come in such a short period of time and like are you proud of that because you, you've definitely yeah. had some posts on social media that I've seen that I can really sense that pride that you're having yeah I it's funny because because um it's a funny I suppose paradox of no I, I can't on the surface I can't believe it because sometimes because sometimes you know the reality of it almost feels like Unbelievable, I suppose. Um, but but underneath that surface layer, I I, I can and I, I do believe it because I, I did when I started and I still do now. And I I only started it because I knew deep down that I could do it, even if everyone else and no, no one else did. Or mm. you know there were very few people who sort of knew knew it was a possibility. One of those people actually being Dennis Cottrell, who I've known since I was born. And I used to talk to about it, even all throughout. He's, he's a big muso and, and music lover himself. And we'd, we'd sort of just text a lot. And I'd see him whenever I came home because he's a really good family friend and almost sort of like a, a second grandfather to me. Um, but I, he, we always would call it the project, quote unquote, just the idea of me coming back to the sport. He, he sort of wholeheartedly believed I could and sort of helped me on my, on my path towards coming back to it and because um, he, he sort of knew how, how I found when I was, I was younger and everything and 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 I think saw it in me then and, and was almost like preparing me for for what I'm doing now back then but to have to have support from people like like him and from other other swimmers who had done great things sort of never really doubting me it almost just re- reinformed and reassured me that that I wasn't crazy um, <laughs> it's always helpful <laughs> even when a lot of people were going what are you doing mm. and 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 when it when it felt like I was at the bottom of a of Mount Everest looking up going how the hell am I gonna get there get there you know but it was just that one day at a time thing Cody are you having fun in this new life or this second life that you're having at the moment <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely I am um, I just almost feel like I'm I've uh, had a bit of a homecoming, like I'm doing what I what I did growing up. You know, the what I loved to do as a kid, what I, you know, the lifestyle I had before I went to the US. I feel like I'm sort of revisiting that, and um, I, you know, I feel happier and healthier and more sort of put together than than I than I have in a long time. I think um, as exciting, and glamorous as as life can be over in the states and in LA and stuff. That you know, there's also sort of a a darker side to it that, mm. um, you know, is, is obviously is evident, but it's not talked about as much and it can be very draining on, on your psyche and, you know, your lifestyle and, 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 you know, it can be unhealthy too. So I've enjoyed sort of being able to, um, be back here and being uh, what I think, I think healthier and more stable than I have in, um, a long time. So it's quite nice. I've got a, kind of a random question, but I think you, yeah. you'll probably kind of get where I'm coming from. I mean, you talk yeah. about the um, the difference in, you know, being a performer, you know, for your music and your entertainment and, you know, maybe mm. having that darker side. And swimming's obviously very simple, but mm. both yeah. both require ego. 
and both. Yeah, were, I suppose so. Yeah, like both, like they do because otherwise, why would you do it? Because if you didn't think that you could, and didn't think that you had the potential to be the best in the world at that elite level, you probably wouldn't put punish your body every single day. Yeah, and that's definitely yeah. how I felt when I was swimming. Do you feel like one requires more ego, or is it just a different type? Um, and I'm not using ego in a bad way. Like I'm using it. Yeah, as a, no. Yeah. Yeah, as a, a you know, yeah, sense of self and sense of uh, your own ability and worth and all that. You know, I definitely think you have to have that to to push you forward. Um, yeah, I definitely, I don't feel like I sort of have that ego in terms of I think I'm better than anyone else or whatever. But I do have that ego in the sense of I, I'm aware of and know my own potential, and and I think you know I just fortunately have had a kind of a life where I've I've haven't had to sort of I've always been able to cultivate that and I've never had to sort of feel like like belittle myself or my dreams like I've always sort of dreamed probably bigger than I should and and um love that yeah so but there's a similar approach I think to both I'd say you sort of have to go in feeling larger than life to to be able to do things that are larger than life yes I suppose and that, that applies to I think both probably both pursuits I love that (laughs) all i can say is yes and i love that <laughs> yeah like you you know you got to go in you got to go in giving yourself goosebumps almost you got to like yes. go in like knowing knowing these things inside you before you do them kind of to to you know I don't know. Does that make sense? Like, Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm like so motivated. I'm going to make a comeback. <laughs> <laughs> Here it is. Come I'm on. announcing it on the sports social. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> at least you'll go swimming training. Tomorrow. Yeah, at least I'm just going to go jump in the pool. Either or. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cody, I'm blown away by the fact that in the midst of all this training, you managed to record a whole album yeah. in eight days and produce it yourself. How did you go with that? balance yeah um not too bad to be honest. I, it was it was early on in my training so probably the end of 2020 i don't think i'd only be in the pool for about five six months but my coach at the time was like we've been we've been kind of going we've been building for, for months and he was sort of like i want to give you a week you know we just you can go in and, and swim a couple kilometers in the morning easy and and that's it just for the week and so i was like okay unreal like i've got all these songs in my in my arsenal that I want to you know put together and it was sort of the perfect opportunity so I ended up just booking eight days in the studio from noon to midnight and I sort of from from one weekend to the next weekend just like did that and was hell-bent on getting all these songs done and produced and assembled a great band and 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 hired a, a space and was able to to do it so I um you know I had everything ready to go it was just that we we got in and, and cut it all in, in that amount of time and I then I then didn't release it for what ended up being over a year later because I went back into training and I just didn't have any time to put it together or try and shoot videos or you know an album cover or anything like that and Mm. finally got to the place where I could do it but yeah it was it was a little stressful to be honest trying to juggle it all but I was happy to, to get it out because it just felt like something I I did I don't I never want to neglect that side of me entirely, especially even when I'm when I was swimming, because I just feel like it gives my life so much fulfillment and and meaning and stuff, and there's a good balance, you know, yeah. to the you know the 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 tedium of training. And having, having spoken to you now, it kind of <clears throat> reflects 
where you are in your life at the moment. Like it's got a really nice vibe about it as an album and it's one of those things you can listen to from start to finish. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of it. You know, it's, it wasn't something that I was able to really put a bunch of juice behind and tour and do all that just because I didn't have the, the ability and time, but I'm, I'm glad it's out there and it's like a step forward in, in my music career that I'd like to keep building on as I go and obviously after swimming, after I stop swimming, whenever that is, you know, I'd like to just, it's a nice stepping stone for me to forward in my music as well. So, Well, Cody, we are just so grateful for your time. We know how busy you are with training and getting ready for the next major competition. And like from us here, we just want to, you know, wish you all the best in the lead up Thank to you. trials next year and obviously heading into 2024. The Olympic trials, then twenty twenty four. It's it, it's a big, as you said, it's a big mountain to climb. But you're doing everything that you can, and you can sense that passion and that love. So I have no doubt that you'll thank be you. successful. Thanks, that means a lot. And uh, thank you both for for having me on. It's been a it's been a good good time talking to you. Thanks. Glad I've inspired inspired another comeback. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'll see me in the pool. I'll be down there for yeah. all of an hour. <laughs> there we go. And then I'll be like, oh no, it's too hard. I'm too tired. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks, so Cody. Good, Cody. Thank you. See you. I'm obsessed. <laughs> what an amazing guy. He's 25. I, like He's got the wisdom of, I don't know, a 45-year-old, a 50-year-old. Yeah. He's I mean, lived I a think, life. I think some people don't ever get that kind of wisdom. He's a... Uh, yeah, I mean, every it's so funny. I, I literally had tears welling up because I'm a weirdo. Um, but, like, just the way that he was describing, you know, that kind of sense of homecoming and that sense of doing something that he loved and the simplicity of it. And, you know, a lot of athletes, that's what it's about. And, you know, we spoke to Lauren as well and it was that simplicity of, like, oh, I just want to get fit and do something that I enjoy. And then, oh, maybe I could. Just rediscovering that Maybe passion. I could. Maybe I could. Maybe I could. And then just doing it. I think, like, the amount that everybody can take away from that is just huge. Just one foot in front of the other. Yeah. It's like, oh, I have this idea. I have no idea. I have no idea how I'd be able to do it. But you just take a step. And at any point. And another step. They can just, they're, like, they're very aware that they may fall off. There may be failure. Oh, and more bra- than likely they will be. But they're brave enough to keep going. That for me is real, like just such a great example of why you've got to give things a go. Yes. You just don't know where that's going to go, get to. Yes. It could get you representing Australia at, you know, in the Opals or it could get you at the Commonwealth Games. But even if it doesn't, they were both people who are incredibly happy within themselves. Yes. Oh. I don't think we should say anymore. Cut it now. <laughs> I'm just going to go have a t- cry. <laughs> we just feel my feelings. We need to end this. Thank you so much to Lauren Jackson and Cody Simpson for giving us their time today. They're both busy athletes with families. Superstars. Things to do. Legendary people. to maintain. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And thank you so much for listening. We hope you got as much out of that as I know I did. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I got, Georgie. I got so much. <laughs> Georgie. Um, yeah, as always, please uh, head to our Instagram at the Sports Social Podcast. And uh, yeah. 
send us your stories, anything that you'd like us to cover in terms of grassroots. And we'll be back to our normal format next week. <laughs> Regular programming. Once dear Jason has returned. <laughs> oh, yes. But happy, it's been fun. Happy wedding, Jace. Congratulations again. That's all. Bye. Bye. <laughs>